Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Anna. And we're the hosts of Popcorn Martini Soup, a movie podcast. We always get together over food to chat about movies, so we decided to grab some mics and invite you in on the conversation. Whether we're talking about the popcorn movies, the big blockbusters and franchises, or the foreign or artsy martini-style movies that your film school friend tried to convince you would be a good time. Or the soup movies, the ultimate in comfort and nostalgia for when you need a friend or a warm hug. We cover it all, and we'd love for you to join us on the journey. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. Bye. Bye. Are they an advanced AI with ulterior motives learning to be human for their own gain or just an insane tech billionaire? Somos real Latinos. Hola y bienvenidos a Relatinos. My name is Ismael. This is Ron. Hey, what's up? This is Guti. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué pasó, mi gente? And today we have a very special guest joining us today. It is the one, the only, the Daniel Cura. This is Daniel. Hey, hello, guys. Oh, and Daniel here has chosen quite, quite the film. Uh, we are Relatinos and we cover Latin American cinema. And today we are covering Ex Machina. 2014's Ex Machina, a sci-fi thriller written and directed by Alex Garland, starring Donald Gleason, Alicia Vikander, Sonoya Mizuno, and the one, the only, Oscar Isaac, or as we know him in Finally. the streets. As we know him in the streets. Do you all know how we know him in the streets? Do you know how we know him in the streets? Do you know how we know Do him in the streets? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a thing? <laughs> no, Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada. Um, oh, the yeah, full name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you, you were going to say... Put some respect say, on his name. I thought we were going to say daddy. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, good thing. Good thing. What is going on here? This is a, this is a family I'm just, show. I'm, I'm just saying, that's what that's what the ladies oh, are calling them on. Oh, man. Uh, Fastest oh, we've ever heard the explicit yeah. text. I was about to say, was <laughs> it like a minute 30? We got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could catch Ex Machina over on HBO Max or on Canopy. <laughs> Canopy for free. Uh, canopy friend of the show. Uh, you just got to get a library card and go and go and rent that movie for free. So no excuses. Go out, check out Ex Machina, and come back because we're going to be getting into some spoilers. Spoiler-filled conversation always on Real Latinos. So before we get into that, Daniel, let's start off with you, our special guest. What you been up to? What you been watching? Uh, so what I've been watching this week, uh, because <clears throat> HBO Max is doing whatever HBO Max does and. Taking all their stuff off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or Max in the future yeah. or whatever they do. Whatever. <laughs> Was it really Max? Warner Brothers Max. Discovery Max. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the, I, I saw that they, they I saw a list of like what they'd be uh, pulling off at the end of the month. So I had not gotten around to anything past the first John Wick movie. So I kind of went through those oh. uh, this mm-hmm. past week and just kind of went down wow. that rabbit hole and enjoyed them. They were fun. They were, uh, I think yeah. I said in one of my reviews... Uh, for the first one rewatching, it just feels like all the best versions of like a '90s action flick. Yeah, like, oh, you know, dang. it's just like it's simple. You know, you know the mm-hmm. plot. The plot kind of doesn't matter at a certain point, and you're just kind of along yeah. for the ride. You know, so yeah. But Fun yeah, fact, I've never seen John Wick. Uh, I really oh, do you want to watch them though. Yeah, I don't know. All I know well, is that it's something about a dog, and that's it. Well, that's oh, yeah, like Wazamo's in them. Yeah, John Leguizamo's in them. So yeah, I forgot. Yo. Cover him. 
yeah. next season on Real Latinos? <laughs> <laughs> All John Wick. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> don't don't tease me, man. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, go ahead, Daniel. No, no, no I was telling. Uh, I told my wife I was going to start watching them and just kind of see if she like you know if she had interests or if I could just kind of go on my own and, and do the thing. And she she said the same thing. She's like, I don't know about you know. I know there's the dog stuff and I. After watching again, I'm like, you can fully do like the Bambi method and just like fast forward to like, <laughs> like ten minutes yeah. in, <laughs> yeah. and then you're covered. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't gotta see Bambi's mom yeah. get shot oh, by the hunter, mm-hmm. and and you're fine. Spoilers yeah. for Bambi from 1930s. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. Oh man, Bambi, what a what a sad sad. Oh man. Anyways, I'm excited to see what the fourth one is. They have kind of, I think the quality kind of went like half a star down each time, mm. maybe. Mm. But uh, but it's still enjoyable. The world that they built is. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, I was wondering because I didn't realize they start like roll right into each other. Um, like, mm. like there's not like really a time jump between movies. So like, if you think about it too hard, you're like, all right, John Wick has just been getting his ass kicked and he has not taken a nap, like, right? For, yeah, like, four <laughs> days. And yeah. uh, and also like, uh, Keanu Reeves is just like committed like ten years of his life to just limping mm-hmm. on screen because yeah. he's right? yeah. just continually getting more hurt. Yeah, at every film, but yeah, but they're a lot of fun. Putting the same like, putting the same makeup on because he has to have like the same cut, yeah, like, on his cheek for like <laughs> right. you know, nine years, yeah. yeah. But but yeah, they were a good time. I enjoyed him. Well, uh, well, what a what a journey with John Wick. And you said that you went down like half a star each time. Um, did you? What was what was the first one? Is it five stars? That's a good question. <laughs> and also, don't quote me on the exact half a star. Let me get to my okay. box real quick. <laughs> Rookie move. Ooh, four stars for John Wick from Daniel. Okay, yeah, that, that, that sounds John like Wick me. One. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a bit of a complex of like how many four star movies, uh, four star reviews I give. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah, my peak is right at four stars. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I gave one and two four stars. Oh, and then I gave chapter three three stars. So not quite. There half it story. is. Uh, Guthi, how about you? What you've been watching? Ooh, so I haven't been watching a whole lot of film. Uh, I'll be honest. I've been working on some uh, some side hustles, but uh, I did watch some pod. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. I was not playing Modern Warfare two, but uh, thank you. Uh, No, I was watching some football. The the playoffs started this weekend, so Mm -hmm. I've been watching some football. And uh, you know, I'm a so I'm a proclaimed New Orleans Saints fan. Unfortunately, my Saints did not make it this year. Uh, So uh, you know, I have to go back to my Bay Area roots. So I'm I'm riding with the Niners. Uh, so I was watching that game last, well, yesterday, it was during the afternoon. It was supposed to rain pretty hard, but luckily it didn't. And uh, and the first half was a little shaky because uh, they're they're like on their third string quarterback right now, Brock Purdy. And so, uh, <laughs> and so like, you know, he's been on a ridiculous run. I think he, he's gone like 5-0 and since he started, whatever. And obviously as a rookie, he's going to have some nerves. So the first half was, a little, you know, it was a little shaky, but... Uh, I think he ended up with like three touchdowns and like a bunch of yards. So uh, he ended up breaking, I think, some records. Um, I think one of, one of the records he broke, I know, was of Dan Marino. So pretty cool to see. Um, so yeah, just been watching some football, enjoying life, and then uh, you know watching all the other films we have on our production schedule. Uh, mm. Wink, wink. So <laughs> <laughs> there's that. There's that. <laughs> oh wow! And how about you, Ron? What you been up to? Yeah, I mean, um, as uh, I've, I've mentioned previously, you know, we've been having some some pretty crazy weather, um, which has uh, caused problems with power outages and, you know, just like 
in general stress. Um, and then on top of that, like it's, uh, impacted, um, my job pretty significantly. So, oh boy. um, I've been working a lot more and then like, I'll get home and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm beat and I eat dinner and then I sit down to edit this podcast and 10 minutes later I fall asleep to you guys' dulcet tones. Um, so like as of, as of right now, we have an episode that was supposed to come out three days ago that, uh, I still haven't finished. I'm going to finish it's it after, good. after we got off here, but no so worries. yeah, needless to say, I, I haven't watched pretty much anything in like the last, uh, the last week, except for like, if I, if I catch like, you know, something that, you know, somebody else is watching maybe, you know, um, I did though, um, uh, I, you know, I, I put stuff on when I go to bed a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, the other night, I it's usually like like uh, old Disney animated movies, um, like you know stuff like that, stuff that I can't really don't really have to pay attention to, and you know fall asleep fifteen minutes in. Uh, so I put on Beauty and the Beast the other night, the original animated mm. one, and uh, ended up watching the whole thing and uh, <laughs> nice. reciting every single line of dialogue along with the movie in the character voices and singing every word of every song oh, wow. in the wow. character voices. Holy Are we going to get an exclusive performance on Real Latinos yeah. right now? <laughs> Only yeah. on the Patreon. Dude, I can't do That's going to be a lot of editing to do it all together. Like, but um, Is Gaston Latino? Could that be? Right. Dude, oh. Oh. Oh, wow. Him and Lumiere, man. You could um, just uh, you could just do a whole podcast on Gaston being Latino, yeah. the machismo coming out. Oh man, yeah, great, great stuff. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's 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 a masterpiece. It's a perfect movie, and um, I'm just like every time I watch it, I catch something new, um, and like just like the way they move the camera in it, like as you know, they're drawings. It's an animated right. movie, and like I just, just like the the animators think to do the things that they do to make it feel so realistic and everything. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. When you said Beauty and the Beast, first thing I pictured was that ballroom scene and that, like that pan around. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's crazy when the chandeliers. Cinema. And, yeah. yeah. When animators think in cinematography is always kind of crazy to me. All the yeah. thought that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely insanity. And then also like when they get like cinematographers to come in and like help them out. I know that, Roger mm-hmm. Deakins has been like a consultant for Pixar for a while now. Yeah, yeah, Deakins Sorry has done a lot of nice stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, animation. Will it stay? Is it here to stay? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole concept of that. Um, and uh, great, Beauty and the Beast. What a watch, what a watch. Um, for me, I have been really, really busy with school. Haven't really watched much at all, so a lot of a really big theme going on this this, this week. Uh, but I did get to catch one movie, um, and it was a rewatch. It was, I mean, it's a movie that I've really, really loved um, for a really long time. Watched it last night with my brother. He chose it uh, to watch it for his birthday. Um, we watched Amadeus. Amadeus from 1984. Mm-hmm. Oh, my freaking goodness. Five-star banger all the way. Um when Ron was saying that he sleeps to the dulcet tones of her voices, um, I like to think that my laugh is kind of like Mozart's and Amadeus. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I have find it hard to believe Ron. That's <laughs> all I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, have y'all watched Amadeus before? I, I have not. No, that was, that was oh. part of my, uh, my birth year challenge last year. And oh. because I know it won best picture that year, I was saving it for last and you guys know how that went. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it this year for sure though. Oh, God. Yeah, I so don't think you... I have. 
I think it's one of those that like when I was younger, I'd see on TV and then like click through after a few minutes, but I never oh. like really sat down and, and watched it because I was a, a stupid teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Goodly, yeah. did you watch it? No, I haven't seen it, but I, oh I've been wanting God. to. And the re- but listen, the reason I haven't seen it is because the production designer for that film they're honoring at the TCM festival this year, so they're going to show Amadeus. And so I'm going to try to catch the screening of it. So you're going to wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. The production design in this thing is probably some of the best I've ever seen in my freaking gosh darn life. So, uh, good thing. Get ready. Get ready. So that Mozart joke that I just made, no one understands it? Or does everyone know that Mozart laughs weird in this movie? (laughs) Yeah. I've 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 seen seen the GIF. There's like a GIF in there. It's going around. I've seen that GIF. The the actual voice of Mozart laughing. Um, Hmm. It's oh yeah, it's quite it's quite something. It's it's quite something. That's all I got to say. <laughs> it's uh it's quite a laugh. So um next time you watch Amadeus, just think of me. Think of your old pally Swain. Um see <laughs> see, see, how, see how that goes through. Um uh but yeah, I've only really watched Amadeus. Uh but moving on, let's go on over to our feature presentation Ex Machina. So uh Guthi, why don't you go ahead and take it away for the historical context of this film? Ex Machina is a 2014 science fiction film written and directed by Alex Garland in his directorial debut. The foundation for Ex Machina was laid when Garland was 11 or 12 years old, after he had had some basic coding and experimentation on a computer his parents had bought him, and which he sometimes felt had a mind of its own. After years of discussion with a friend with an expertise in neuroscience and reading books on the topic on his own, It wasn't until he read a book by Murray Shanahan about consciousness and embodiment that Garland had an epiphany for the film. Besides the Turing test, the film references the Chinese Room thought experiment as well as Mary's Room, a thought experiment about a scientist who has studied but never experienced the concept of color. Other inspirations for the film include 2001 A Space Odyssey, Altered States, and books written by Ludwig Wittgenstein, Ray Kurzweil, and others. It was also influenced by William Shakespeare's The Tempest. Wanting total creative freedom and without having to add conventional action sequences, Garland made the film on the small budget of $15 million, a ridiculous amount given the medium budget of sci-fi films is typically around $61 million. Principal photography began in the summer of 2013 and was shot over four weeks at Pinewood Studios and two weeks at Juvet Landscape Hotel in Norway. The film was shot as live action, with all effects done in post-production. During filming, there were no special effects, green screen, or tracking markers used. Ava's robot body was achieved using a detailed costume, a full body suit made from polyurethane with metal powder poured onto it to create the mesh. There were lines on the costume to make it easier for VFX company Dnedge to digitally remove parts of the costume in post-production. To create Ava's robotic features, Scenes were filmed both with and without Vikander's presence, allowing the background behind her to be captured. The parts necessary to keep, especially her hands and face, were then rotoscoped, while the rest was digitally painted out and the background behind her restored. Camera and body tracking systems transfer Vikander's performance to the CGI robot's movements. In total, there were about 800 VFX shots, of which approximately 350 were robot shots. Other visual effects included Ava's clothes when shown through the transparent areas of her body, Nathan's blood after being stabbed, and the interiors of the artificial brains. 
These incredible visual effects garnered the film the Best Visual Effects Award at the 88th Academy Awards. The film was also nominated for Best Original Screenplay, but lost the spotlight. Uh, thank you so much, Guti, for a wonderful historical context for this movie. Uh, and Ron, why don't you go ahead and give us a synopsis for Ex Machina? Caleb Smith is a programmer at a search engine company called Bluebook. He went to contest to spend a week at the home of the company's CEO, Nathan Bateman. Caleb arrives at Nathan's extremely remote, extremely secure compound by helicopter and is greeted by Nathan and his silent assistant, Kyoko. Nathan reveals that he has built a humanoid robot named Ava with artificial intelligence. Ava has already passed a simple Turing test and Nathan wants Caleb to judge whether Ava is genuinely capable of thought and consciousness, and whether he can relate to Ava despite knowing she is artificial. Ava has a robotic body but a human face. Ava and Caleb grow fond of and even attracted to one another, while Nathan's narcissism, alcoholism, and megalomania become more and more apparent. Ava and Caleb secretly plan to escape Nathan's compound together. Caleb finds footage of previous androids held captive that all looked like human women. Kyoko reveals herself to be an android as well, and Caleb begins to question whether or not he himself is also an AI. Nathan reveals to Caleb that he knows all about the secret escape plan. He says that Caleb was selected for his emotional profile, and the real test was to see if Ava could successfully manipulate Caleb. Meanwhile, Kyoko helps Ava escape, and the two androids murder Nathan. Kyoko is disabled in the struggle, but Ava is able to use older android parts to repair herself and completely take on the appearance of a human woman. Ava escapes the compound with its security measures intact, vanishing into the world and leaving Caleb permanently locked inside. Thank you so much, Ron, for a wonderful synopsis. So let's get into what we have uh, our history with this movie, our history with the filmmakers or the actors here. Um, Daniel, uh, since this is your special guest pick, why don't you go ahead and get us started off? What is your history with this movie and or the filmmakers? Uh, yeah, short answer, none. But oh. I've been wanting to watch this forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was racking my brain for a while trying to figure out what the pick was should be. And then eventually I just went down my, uh, you know, my watch list to try to see you know, I was trying to go back and forth between like, you know, something I had a lot of like history growing up watching or I've seen a million times or uh, something new or something in the middle kind of hadn't seen in a while. But yeah, I chose this just because Oscar Isaac is always great in everything I've seen. Mm-hmm. I've never really gone down like an uh, Isaac rabbit hole to kind of like see all of his stuff, but everything he's in, like he kind of steals a show for me. So, <laughs> and yeah, this has been on my list since it came out and I always knew it was, you know, it was a great film from what people had said and I kind of knew it was kind of my vibe going into it so I figured this would be some good uh good cannon fodder to discuss mm-hmm. so yeah absolutely wow first, first time deep dive into Ex Machina for Daniel this is great oh man I'm so excited yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh Ron how about you what's your what's your history with uh with Ex Machina and or the filmmakers um, yeah, so I, I've I've seen it before. Um, actually, so Oscar Isaac, I discovered of all things in Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. What he uh, he plays? <laughs> yeah, he, he plays King John in that. And I remember when I saw it, I had never heard of him before. But 
he like he is definitely the standout in that movie. I was like, who who is this guy? And I don't have that reaction to to actors a lot. And um, I'm I'm not one. I follow directors and writers more than I follow actors. Like an actor tends to not be enough of a selling point for me. Um, Oscar Isaac is one of the few exceptions of that. I will go uh-huh. out of my way to see anything that he is in. Um, I think that he uh, he's very chameleon like and like. One of the highest compliments that, like, Daniel Day-Lewis is, like, you know, the the standard, you know? Like, he's, he's like, the upper echelon. And my argument for anyone that, like, doesn't think that he's as good of an actor as everybody says he is, is if you take all of his characters and sat them around at a dinner table, you would be listening to a bunch of distinct individuals having conversations with each other. Um, and I don't think that very, very many people can pull that off, but I do think that Oscar Isaac is one of them. Um, so when this movie came out, I didn't happen to see it in the theater, but, um, I did check it out, uh, as soon as it was released, um, on, uh, on Blu-ray and, um, I'll, I'll save my opinions for it for, uh, for a little bit, but, um, yeah, I am, I have continued to follow Oscar Isaac's career. Mm-hmm. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. And Guthi, how about you? Yeah. So, uh, much like Daniel, I had never seen Ex Machina, uh, before this. Mm-hmm. So this is actually my first time viewing it um but you know before we recorded this i did watch it again because you know i had a couple of things i wanted to clear up but uh but yeah uh other than that i've seen the other girl in film i've seen is annihilation Mm -hmm. um and for me that film like i i like the ending of the film but i don't know if the the you know the first two-thirds of it really i vibed with Mm -hmm. um i guess i'll I'll save my opinion on xbox and uh for later but that's basically kind of my take on annihilation um so like i think i ended up giving that film like three stars so it's a good film it's just it wasn't entirely my taste uh-huh. um and then yeah i mean there's some people in this cast like obviously like oscar and stuff like that that i've seen like throughout star wars and you know the later films and, and that nature uh-huh. but but yeah i was excited to I see this because it's something i've definitely seen that's like oh it's like one of the best sci-fi films of the decade and stuff. And so I definitely wanted to to get it off uh, my watch list and I'm glad we're doing this now. Gotta hit off that, that blind spot. Yeah. Gotta hit off that blind spot. Um, so for me, uh, I have watched Ex Machina before. I've watched Ex Machina like three or four, maybe five times before this. So um, <laughs> spoilers ahead. May I like this movie? Who knows? <laughs> um, uh, and... Uh, uh, I've also watched a couple of the other things that Alex Garland has made. I did watch Annihilation. I thought it was pretty wild. Um, oh. I know that, I mean, for those that have or have not seen it, I mean, Oscar Isaac's also in Annihilation, and his mm-hmm. part of Annihilation is wild. So, um, yeah, really, really did enjoy Annihilation. I also watched Man uh, that came out last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did watch Man. You know, it's, uh, it's a good movie. You know, I, I don't think it's bad, per se. It's just... Um, you know, it's uh, definitely definitely unique. Um, but uh, let, let's uh, the meat of the show. You know, Oscar Isaac. Uh, he's he's fantastic in just about every single thing that he's in. Um, I think I was introduced to him uh, with The Force Awakens, um, just because I was a Star Wars fan. But I wasn't really wa- too much into like watching movies all that much before. Um, but then I watched him in Ex Machina, and I was just wow enthralled with Oscar Isaac and then I watched Inside Lewin Davis and I was like seals the deal <laughs> one of the best actors of the generation you know like he's he's great he's fantastic um 
also was in Dune, so I know that uh, Guthi here is going to give him high praise, high high praise. Um, and uh, but like I've just been going back into Oscar Isaac's um, filmography, trying to watch a lot of the things that he's done. Um, so far, I've watched thirteen of his works. Um, something I'd really recommend everyone watch is uh, a short uh, called The Letter Room. Um, yeah, yeah, that one I had a lot of good times with. Nice. Um, so I highly recommend uh-huh. watching that. It's only thirty three minutes, so. So nice and short, and um, yeah. But other than that, I, th- I think I've seen everything that Alex Garland has done, other than Devs, which is like the TV show. Um, and I've been watching a lot of what Oscar Isaac has done, so uh, really, really enjoy him as an actor. And I have watched Xbox in a countless times. Um, so <laughs> uh, with that, let's get right into the nitty gritty. Let's get, let's get, let's talk about Ex Machina. Daniel, our special guest here for this week give us the first point that you'd like to discuss about ex machina sure uh yeah so i was going through so i kind of took notes as i was watching and uh tried to figure out what the patterns were afterwards (laughs) it was a lot of chaos so what i settled on for my first one that i kept coming back to what a lot of my notes were uh based on was the uh the cinematography Mm -hmm. uh and the, the the framing and the shots um uh for those who Nobody knows me who's listening to this. We'll make sure you I all do know. photography. <laughs> yeah. I do <laughs> photography and videography and stuff. So, like, it's kind of like where uh, it's either that or or scores where my, that get my attention first when I'm watching movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was just very interesting to me because it was, there's so many subtle uh, camera choices in this, in this mm-hmm. film. Um, a lot of times, like, great cinematography, like, I love, like, a, you know, a continuous shot or a big sweeping shot or whatever, but everything, in this movie felt very uh shrunken down but very Mm -hmm. uh it had a subtext to make you feel what you know what the the filmmakers intended uh what really comes to mind for me is the first thing i really noticed or really jumped out in the first watch spoiler alert i watched it twice prepping for this Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) is the scene where uh um i don't know if it's like where it's the, let's call it the club it's where they dance oh um, love. It's, it's bedroom or whatever yes. but yes um yes. let's get into yes. it <laughs> yeah that that first scene where uh you know where you see oscar isaac's character he's just kind of drunk and like having i guess how he spends all of his nights just kind of uh-huh. drunk staring at the painting and and whatever but when he's when you don't really know who um you don't really at least the first time watching i don't really know like you know the what's revealed at the end and like really uh-huh. who's the the sinister one at play and or who isn't or are they all and all that kind of stuff those questions that it's raising um so it's kind of unsettling on purpose but one of the first shots i noticed was him sitting there like you know blackout drunk with the beer bottle um beer bottles kind of catty quarter to his face but he's not in focus the beer is and he's just so slightly uh-huh. um he his face is so slightly softened compared to the the beer bottle that at first I was like, why does this, like, it, it really does that subtext of like setting the, you know, you're unsettled while you're watching it or you're not mm-hmm. really sure what to focus on. And that happens a lot. Um, Leeson's character, I remember towards the end when, um, <clears throat> when Ava is like, you know, going through the, the cupboards and, and looking at all the, uh, the past AIs and stuff. And like, we're, you're focused on him watching her kind of like, kind of essentially creep through the bushes, but yeah. you're just, you're almost <laughs> focused on the plants and he's just kind of behind the plants and the focus isn't really him. You know, it's just kind of, you see him kind of his shadow in the background. And so there's a lot of that kind of stuff um, that really stuck out to me that it's just like, you know, very small, but 
deliberate choices. Because um, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like anything's on accident here. Even like the end where you see the shadows of all the people walking on the, the sidewalk, but they're all flipped, yeah. inverted, upside down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, the, the shots in this really, really stuck out to me the first time watching. Man, those shots are absolutely insanity. Like when uh, Oscar Isaac's dancing for the first time, and like everything's just covered in red. That lighting is insane. It's uh-huh. like he's like in the middle of hell, dude. Like it's amazing. Yeah. I loved it so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of great stuff with like. Well, you mentioned like that that flip shot of like um, people's uh, shadows on the ground and stuff. But then there's also there's a um, a lot of like through glass. Oh, uh-huh. or nice. like mirror. Like right. there's a there's a lot of mirror images, a lot of reflections, um, uh, a lot of like really subtle like um you know like looking at yourself um you know like whether it's through a camera or um particularly that that scene where there's the two scenes um that stood out to me the most were the one where um uh uh, caleb um where he does his his terminator 2 moment um in the mirror with the with the razor blade Uh Um, and he's, you know, like he's, he's yeah. freaking out. Like there's all the subtle little, like, um, like inflections with the color. Yeah. Uh, that. And then when, um, when she puts all the skin on and she's looking at herself and like, she's got like the, all the different mirrored surfaces, like moving around and stuff. And she's kind of like seeing herself, uh, as a human, as a whole human for the first time. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that, that I really dug. I like the way that they, um, uh, they, they set up the, the staging for it and everything. Yeah, I agree. And then there's another shot, or maybe, honestly, it might have been a couple shots where uh, Oscar Isaac's character is just kind of center frame in front of that Pollock painting. Um, just, like, yep. so, like, such a stark contrast with those colors. And overall, like, not that it's all subdued, but, like, you're in kind of, they're in front of concrete most of the time or a glass or what you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, so when those colors do come in, like, it really takes you in. But, yeah, I was, I was, uh, trying to refrain from doing too much like deep diving like after I watched the movie because you know what are all the what does everything mean or whatever because I knew we were going to be talking about this but one thing I did read talking about the reflections is in those like um, not interrogation but like those the sessions with Ava pretty much I mean spoiler alert at this point but pretty much every shot that you see her reflection is her being deceitful Um. and it's like so you you got like the two face thing going on. Um, oh, that's cool. And, yeah, and then the, like the example they gave when like she was genuinely like, genuinely as she's a robot, but whatever. <laughs> she was, she was uh, taken by surprise when he starts talking about like how his, when his parents died when he was young. Like it's just her. Like there's no reflection. It's just like her actual like reaction to it. But everything else is you know you can kind of tell when she's kind of not being fully uh, truthful to to whoever she's talking to there. And a lot of the pacing they mentioned, they, they kind of modeled that after like a tiger in a cage. Like, so she kind of walks back and forth through the, through that, uh, I mean, essentially the room of the cage that she's in. Honestly, they're flexing. They're flexing hard <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Um, so Guthi, how about you? What's your first point for Ex Machina? Another, another fellow, yeah. uh, first time watcher yeah. with Daniel here. <laughs> so, yeah, I think for me, which kind of goes in hand, you know, hand in hand with the cinematography is the production design. Like, I think, you know, I was looking up some background research and they, they only shot this with like 15 million. Like it was a very low budget. It was like, they shot it in six weeks. And if you think about your typical sci-fi, right, they usually get caught up in this big grandeur, like shots of space and everything like that. And I think what's great about this 
and helps it actually is that with having such a low budget, they're able to make sure and think about like what each single thing that they're putting in the setting helps develop the story. And so for example, we already talked about kind of the cage, um, that, um, Caleb finds himself in when he's talking with Ava or even like just the amazing location scouting of finding that place and having the juxtaposition of nature being right outside that facility while inside the facility, it's very much like, you know, it's very much isolated and, and it's a place of nurturing, you know, whether you agree, whether, you know, it feeds into that theme of whether, you know, you agree that they should be building this AI person or, you know, should, you know, they should be creating life essentially being like godlike, right? And a lot of the isolation shots and the shot compositions that Daniel was talking about were reminding me kind of of the shining. Um, and so I was getting a lot of like those claustrophobic kind of like feeling uneasy type of shots. And, uh, yeah, I just absolutely loved it. And given that the low, that the low, with the low budget that they had, I also really enjoyed the CGI and how those visual effects look throughout the film. Um, cause I think sometimes and these old, you know, these bigger budgeted films nowadays, you see like, you know, oh, I have all this budget. I'm just going to waste it all on CGI. And so you get these films that are very heavy laden with CGI and kind of forgetting that they're also based, that the story should be based in some sort of reality, or at least in my opinion, that's the style that I kind of like. So I like that you get like little inklings of the CGI and the visual effects. So it doesn't absolutely it doesn't absolutely overtake the reality of the situation. So a lot of the times, like when you're looking at Ava, like she still looks like a robot, but she's human, you know? So I, I don't know. I just thought that that was all really well done. Um, and I really enjoyed the the production design and the VFX for it. Yeah. The production design yeah. is freaking insane. Sorry. Go ahead, Daniel. No, I was just going to second that. Yeah. You mentioned like how easy it is for, especially like, big budget sci-fi movies to just blow out with the CGI. And one of the, one of my favorite shots was towards the end when the helicopter's coming in and then, you know, Ava gets on and takes off. Like that would have probably been like an entire like green screen environment. Whereas, you know what I mean? Like it feels more tangible and, you know, the stakes even feel higher because you're like, oh, like she's in the real world. And like, what does that mean? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The economy of filmmaking of it, it's like, um, if if this were like, I don't know, not to pick on anybody in particular, but like if it was like a James Cameron wow, movie per se, wow, like <laughs> I'm here for it. Let it go, go around. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I love Throwing Cameron. Big Jim under um, the bus here, but but uh, you know, yeah, you like a story like this might take place in like this gigantic, very very like volumed out, um, you know, CG environment, like a lot of like like um. Like I kept like the movie I Robot with Will Smith kept coming to mind like when like all the like you uh-huh. know, um all the digital uh, characters were you know jumping around, but um I think that because of the budget, well probably because of the budget um I don't actually know but um the choice to set it where they set it and like have it be like such a claustrophobic location well I mean yeah it definitely helped the production value and it did like. Um, like the, the CG in this, like the, of, you know, like of the, the robotics and everything like is super, super well done. Um, and like, 
part, I think part of the reason they were able to focus on like the little bits of that they did is that they were able, you know, because of where they said it and because like they made it, you know, it's, you know, it's like a, it's like an apartment. It's like Elon Musk's house or, or whatever, you know? Oh. Um, but more to the point, like it sells, um, like it's super realistic that a guy like that would be doing this in a facility like that. It not like some big, like, you know, like agents of shield helicarrier thing or whatever, like this, <laughs> this is where dudes like that do stuff like this. And it like, um, and it, and it worked really well, both with the production value and selling who Oscar Isaac's character was. I also really like that the, that they had like this super concrete industrial, like modern piece of architecture in the middle of nature, like in the middle of right. like uh-huh. beautiful landscapes that we never really get to go back into, you know, like, the only yeah. time we go back into that crazy beautiful nature is really like at the end when uh, uh-huh. you know Ava goes back into the helicopter and and you know blasts off you know so um uh and like they also have like all these like faux natural environments inside like in their like in their like testing facilities and all that stuff it's like super just like almost like uncanny valley kind of stuff it's like unnatural to have like this much like foliage inside this like how can you build out of concrete you know so it's like um, right i just uh i really liked just the way that everything looked i love that one shot with like um oscar isaac's just on his computer and there's like a billion post-it notes all over his wall like poor pe- like poor yes. production assistant yeah. that had to go in and put every single one of those post-it notes is insane um but mm-hmm. uh yeah loved it um i think um like i really love that they didn't go like super duper all out with all the CGI ever because they could have you know this the Ava could have had laser beams <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they could have done anything that they wanted um, and they decided to just make it a lot more low key and only really show what needs to be shown you know instead of um, you know just going over the top for the sake of going over the top like everything that's happening here in terms of VFX and stuff is in service to the story so I really loved it kind of going back to what both you said was yeah the, the essentially like a concrete slab in the middle of like this natural beauty and it just like the and how it kind of like exemplifies the audacity of uh you know essentially bastardizing nature yep. and you know the the order of things because you feel like you're entitled to essentially and then um you can kind of draw the line between like all the fake foliage inside the this essentially this almost military bunker yeah. <laughs> um to try to like liven it up to draw that line to you know the, the ai he's actually creating to like make it seem real even though it's not mm-hmm. you know but yeah it's all those like subtle cues that that really kind of bring that whole feeling together yeah and it's also like if you really wanted that greenery you could just go outside like or not make or not right. make it look like a straight up like you said, a military bunker like you don't have to do all that <laughs> oscar so yeah um yeah, it's uh, I really love that. Really, really love that that touch. Uh, but Ron, how about you? What's your first point for X Machina? So, uh, my first point is the point that uh, allows us to cover this movie on um, this podcast. It's Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac. Um, <laughs> you know, I this 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 movie. It's you know, it's a tragic depiction of this poor man that yeah, just wants to create these just... beautiful things, and just everyone turns on him, and like it's so unfair. And it's, I'm just kidding. And it parallels um, as 
<laughs> As a narcissistic sociopathic nihilist, I completely uh, relate to Oscar Isaac's character. Uh, but no, uh, for real though, like he, um, I, I said before, I'm I'm a big, big fan of him because I, I do think that he does a lot of subtle work with every character that he does. I don't think that he's, he recycles performances. And I, I do think that this is um, one of the best ones that he's given he's he's very much like like you know like we see in the media like the character that he's playing like you know like i'm not gonna throw out any names but there are certain heads of certain companies that i think that we can associate with this type of guy and uh he does a real real good job of balancing um being like super like hey bro like let's let's hang out and have beers and you know like being real likable and and getting you to you know like gaslighting you and um and then also like being pretty terrifying and like you know getting little flashes of like what this guy is really really capable of um and uh you know like he's he's super funny in a lot of parts like you know he makes the ghostbusters <laughs> crack and like you know th- um, <laughs> there's there, there's a lot you know it's he he seems like a kind of guy that like he's got a ton of charisma and you like you really would like whether it's just out of curiosity or, or whatever like want to hang out with him but at the same time like you're kind of uncomfortable being in alone alone in a room with them. Um, and I'm, I just, um, yeah, my first point is Oscar Isaac and his beard mm-hmm. um, are, uh, you know, the, the world is better is for both CGI? of that CGI? Because good yeah. Lord, what a beard. <laughs> like, that is, Looks amazing. is absolutely. That's why they won yeah. the award. Was, yeah. Yeah. All right. As soon as they saw that, they're like, there's no way but, that's real. <laughs> yeah. But I, no, I uh, I agree with you, Ron. I mean, it, for me, it was like a really grounded performance because, like you said, like he could have gone too far and it would have veered into caricature, right? And it never really gets mm-hmm. into caricature. Like this is a guy that you would actually believe is out there in the world, and that's why you know we can put it to whatever name we want to. So yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and th- this was actually going to be my number two point, but I'll read for you like. Word for word, mm. the first note I had was right. Oscar Isaac always has a grounded presence. All of his characters feel natural and grounded within the movies um, to the point where, like, you know, that, that's what makes him feel authentic. And he's definitely making lots of subtle decisions, but yep. you don't notice that's them, not... you know. Uh-huh. Um, he does feel like a dude, even though he's kind of a crazy dude, but, you know, the subtext <laughs> of it all. But, but yeah, watching it the first time, I was like, you know, it, it does, the, the movie does a good job of, all right, so you know this movie is about AI. Are they all AI? Is it one? <laughs> is it is it two? So like, part of me was half expecting like, oh, Oscar Isaac's character is going to have been AI the whole time, and he's going to have been like watching the whole thing. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So like, which obviously doesn't happen. To then, then you have to flip the lens and be like, oh no. So is it he just playing like a crazy tech billionaire, or is he a an AI trying to <laughs> learn how to be human? Right. And yeah. Like, you can kind of like draw your own assumptions on that, but yeah, it's so, uh, yeah, it's so subtle and it's so like specific, but it just feels so real too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm going to tear up the fucking dance floor, dude. Check me out. Like that was, I <laughs> absolutely love that quote. It's so good. It's like, it's so nonchalantly thrown at, thrown out. Like, why'd you tear up? Why'd you tear up the picture? Jump the fucking dance floor. Like it's so it's yeah. such a great <laughs> such a great response. Yeah. And then he like yeah. he's got the moves, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, Oh yeah, yeah this is Oscar Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this is uh, one of the greatest actors of a generation. It's, yeah. Yep. 
is there anything <laughs> you can't know. do? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. like honestly, it's uh, yeah. it's fantastic. And then also like the whole idea of this character is like when you first meet him, like you're expecting probably like if if you watch this movie without knowing that Oscar Isaac's in it, you're expecting like probably some really nerdy dude, kind of like a Bill Gates looking kind of dude. You know what I mean? Like super square, but you get this mm-hmm. super dude bro and like dude bros aren't really known um like stereotypically right. for being mega geniuses but in this case i mean oscar isaac's character is kind of a mega genius you know and, like the fact that he can make all of this um it it speaks to the to the the brain capacity of this character you know what i mean and um i just love i just love that juxtaposition that they had of like like you're probably expecting some some super square and he first gets there, he's like, what's up, dude? <laughs> just like a super, just yeah. <laughs> what seems to be just like a regular ass guy. <laughs> so, um, who's right. actually kind of crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, <laughs> that reveal of him, like that slow reveal, like of him, like boxing too, oh, was like, is, is real effective. Like just setting the stage, like, okay, like, you know who yeah. this guy is. Um, and then right. on top of that, setting up the payoff later when he clocks, you know, Domino Gleason too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, and Donald Gleason, what a what a square ass nerd, am I right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he did such a good that's the thing. I was like, man, uh-huh. Oscar Isaac is so good in this, but then you're just like everybody is because everybody's <laughs> yeah. so believable yeah. uh-huh. in what they're doing. Absolutely. But yeah. And that, I mean that's yeah. the thing too, because like since it's a film that doesn't have a lot of action in it, like you need the character performances to be good. Uh-huh. Like you need everyone to step up their their level in their game because there's a lot of talking. So uh-huh. yeah, I mean everyone yeah. came to play. Yep. Yeah, while I was watching him, I just kept cutting to like the scene in um, The Force Awakens, I think, is the one where he's just like essentially giving like um, uh, a Nazi speech to all the stormtroopers oh, and yeah. stuff and uh-huh. like just screaming. And I'm like, and then this guy, uh-huh. it's the same yeah. guy. And he like, I don't know if it's because he shamed, but, like, he just right. like looks yeah. so much younger and got some yeah. sun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's, he's a lot less sweaty in this than yeah, yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. But yeah, him him too. Like I know, like I I praised Oscar Isaac a lot. But yes, Alicia Vikander and and Domino Gleeson are both really really great actors too. The um like because yeah, Domino Gleeson he's you know he's super sweet and charming and in, in about time and like yes. um, if yeah. if you've ever seen the movie <laughs> yes. Brooklyn, um he's like people don't really focus on him being in it, but like he's excellent in Brooklyn just being like a very like reserved, very charming upper class Irish dude. Um, and then he's also like the, the frontiersman dude in, in the Revenant. Like, yeah, he's, he's got quite a bit of range too. So I, I don't want to sell him short. Yeah. No. And, uh, and then on Alicia Vikander, I mean, uh, <laughs> like her performance is no- so nuanced because it's like, you have to play someone who's a r- technically a robot, uh-huh. but technically at the same time, it has, you have to do enough movements with your performance where it's believable that someone would think that you're a human. And right. still be able to express emotion and all that. So I think she, I mean, out of all three of them, I mean, they all do a great job. But for me, I was just like, that would probably be the toughest one out of all three to to perform. Yeah. And she does a brilliant job. And I think like, you know, just kind of looking some stuff up in her biography and stuff, she was trained as a ballerina. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, you could see like she has complete control of her body. And, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, I can't say enough about her performance. Her performance is really good. And it's like, well, should I be falling in love with this person? But at the same time, like they're not real, and it's just it's just incredible how she she's able to control her body and and garner that emotion from us. Right. Yeah. And there's definitely like a whole other layer to her performance too, where like yeah, 
she's an AI, um, but she has to kind of be passable to the audience and to the main character uh-huh. as like somewhat human. But then also come to find out that there's the other layer of the AI was pretending to an extent to like trick the main character into, you know what I mean? So it's like all right. these levels of like, of like more nuance than just like, are you a robot or are you not? Or is the robot fucking with me? Or like <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I um, mean, like even uh, like, I, I know everyone here has kind of watched it um, multiple times, but, or a couple times at least, but I know for me, each time that I watched it, um, like the first time I was totally with Dom Hulk Leeson's character, like I was seeing everything <laughs> through his eyes. And then the next time around, now that I know kind of what's at play and what the story is about, I could kind of see and appreciate those little manipulations that Oscar Isaac was doing with this character, what Alicia Vikander was doing with her character. Right. And low key, like I was just like, you know what? Like, even though Oscar Isaac, like his character is going to have a douchebag, there's some points that he's maybe making that are are truthful like you know Uh like ai is going to come anyways we might as well have someone make it obviously we don't know you know who is going to be making that ai is ethical or unethical and you can make your own decision about oscar isaac's character but at the same time i you know i started seeing everyone else's kind of meaning and what they were thinking about um which i thought is really interesting and and for me is like a mark of a really good film Uh Yeah, I noticed that on my second watch too. That's exactly what I kind of start. Like, I watched for that reason. Be like, could I pick up any like subtleties on the other characters? And like, kind of going back to Oscar Isaac's character, like him feeling like a guy, just like a normal dude or or whatever, and trying to figure out like, oh, okay, so he didn't like Gleason's character didn't win a lot of like he was picked, and not necessarily because he was the greatest coder in the company. (laughs) Like he had like so it was like giving him this false sense of um, of like. You know, like I deserve to be here yeah. with with the comp- the the company's founder, and like you know, and to the point where he starts like um, almost trying to like school him on like the quotes, and he's like, "Dude, I know yeah. the Oppenheimer yeah. quote, like like yeah. calm down." Like <laughs> so, like you can tell he's like annoyed that like he, he kind of has to like BS with this guy that like pretend he's like a genius like him, but he's just like right. you know playing the uh-huh. role. And um, and I I don't know if it's because I knew like this is the podcast we're going to be talking about would be in real Latinos and everything, but like his character definitely felt like the type of um character who like didn't come from wealth mm-hmm. um i don't know if that uh, is like a, a maybe reading too much into it as like the on the latino mm-hmm. side but he's definitely talking about like you know i thought money would he says something like i thought money would get rid of all the bullshit or shit going wrong or whatever it right. is um but it, but it doesn't and it's still there so it's like it like it does add a layer whereas like sometimes in the real world won't name won't name people but like people come from the generational wealth and then like yeah they right. can create these things because they have the means to whereas yeah he does seem like a genius who kind of came up as like a normal uh-huh. guy and uh-huh. and then kind of quote unquote made his place for himself so then he kind of goes a little bit crazy and like yeah I should be the one to create AI even though it's going to destroy the world <laughs> yeah. like, why not <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> exactly exactly uh, yeah I mean also I oh, I mean you you just pointed it out Daniel but like I love, loved, love, love, love how uh, Donald Gleason is basically trying to, you know, be super full intellectualism. Look at me. I'm so smart. And Oscar is just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, just stop, stop trying. <laughs> stop trying to, like, impress me or impress anyone. Like, like, just shut up. Like, I, I okay, so full disclosure, I'm, I'm in academia and uh, I feel like, um, a lot of students that are getting their PhDs are, might be a little bit too self-serious, in my opinion. Um, 
None of my program, to be honest with you. Everyone in my life is fantastic. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but like, I see like, uh, and I think it, it, it goes specifically with like um, PhD students that are doing science for science's sake rather than like the human sake of like, why are we doing this in the first uh -huh. place? Is it just to like incrementally make an algorithm just that bit like faster? Why? You know? And um, uh, what are the, what are the implications of the things that we're doing? Um, I feel like a lot of times when people speak with each other in, in academic settings, they just forget to be people, you know? <laughs> it's just like, uh -huh. like we get it, you know, all this stuff. Like, can we just be real for a second? Like, I, I don't know. I just really like that uh, part from Oscar Isaac's character. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the, like, well, it's in academia for sure, but I even see it when I'm reading some, like, film critic reviews. Um, I'm like, dude, I understand that you've seen the Webster Dictionary yeah. before and have a thesaurus. Yeah. Like, dude, are you writing, are you writing this for academia or are you writing this to to appreciate the film and hopefully get more people to go watch yeah. it? It's so, just... That's one of the little, small... I feel attacked. ...gripes I have. <laughs> oh, my God. With film criticism. But, yeah, I needed to bring it up. So, yeah, that's... Get it off my that's, chest. Uh, I really like all that. And then also, Donald Gleason is he, like, the first simp in, in cinema? You know, modern cinema? <laughs> modern cinema. Simpama. Yeah. Yeah. Simpama. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, man. They, uh -huh. Everyone does a great job. Alicia Vikander, like, honestly, uh, like what they said. Like, you have to be so good at, like, you need to try to be convincingly human, even though you are human. So you have to think yourself as, like, a robot to try and, like, convince other people that you are. It's it's really great. It's it's just a fantastic performance uh, for men and women all around. Um, but uh, to go into my first point, which kind of got touched on a little bit from Daniel, but um, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to let go of this point, but is Oscar Isaac the true but that like is being tested i think okay so here's the thing i studied computer science <laughs> i know a lot about the Turing test you learn about it in like your cs1 class um and the idea is you're a person talking to someone else um in another room you don't know who's in that other room is it a person or is it a computer and if the computer can fool you then it has passed the Turing test so if you think about it Donald Gleason comes in on this helicopter in the middle of nowhere, and the first thing he sees is Oscar Isaac in non-robotic form, right? Um, I'm assuming that Donald Gleason has never met this dude in his life. He's never seen this dude in his life. Um, so this is obviously a brand new person to him. And then he sees uh, Ava, and Ava is very obviously robotic. You know, you see all the mesh, you see all like, well, in the, in the CGI of it all, but you see that it's a robot. So it's already like, it's already implanted in his mind. This person is a robot. But what if the true test, uh, after all of this was just Oscar Isaac being the actual robot and the whole time and, um, trying to fool double Gleason that Oscar Isaac is a real person. You know what I mean? Because we all know, well, like, we're all talking about this. We're all saying, oh, yeah, Oscar Isaac, obviously a dude, obviously a down-to-earth guy. We're talking about his upbringing. Um, like, but what if this dude is just just like Ava, you know, just a robot, and it's just trying to fool him? Because, uh, like, who knows when that, like, obviously we know that the experiment started even when Donald Gleason was chosen to come. Like, like it wasn't because he was a great coder. It was just because uh -huh. he was just some dude, you know? Um, and bringing him all the way over there who's to say that like the helicopter dude isn't 
in on this, you know? And like, once he sees that Ava's out uh-huh. here, like he knows like, oh shit, we passed the test. Um, who's like, who's <laughs> like, is so like, I don't know. I think, I think it's something to, to take into account. Like, sure. Like Oscar Isaac quote unquote dies in this movie, but does he really, you know, like you can program anything uh-huh. you really want out of this interaction. So, um, I don't know. What do y'all think? Is Oscar Isaac a robot? Are those dance moves pre-programmed? One of the things that I was thinking about, um, yeah, cause particularly so the first watch, the whole time I was like, okay, like you do start to question, like, wait, is this is is Caleb actually okay. AI, and like that's going to be the re- reveal at the end? Is Nathan really AI, and that's going to be the you know the reveal at the end? And um, you know, and I mean, yeah, you can draw your own conclusions. Like we don't know what happens after the credits roll. Like it could. You know, everyone could be AI, but they were still testing, you know, Ava, and there really is a real Nathan uh-huh. somewhere. And like, okay, this is what happened. Let's start over <laughs> and do it again. Um, but uh, yeah, I dig. Like, it's it's a credit to to Garland and his sh- screenwriting and his, his direction that you know, I even though I've seen this before, <laughs> I was sitting there watching it a little bit. And it was like, is yeah, like I was questioning, like, okay, I know how this ends, but does it really end the way that that it, that it says that it ends? So. Um, yeah, like I, I think, I personally think that um, what we see is 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 what we get. But like, I can totally, you know, I can totally see different reads uh, on this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, the only reason I feel like he did die is because he bled. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, that we, you know, we see Donald Gleason's character, you know, with the razor and stuff um, to to check for himself. But then again, we don't see any of the the robots if they have any fluids that aren't red in the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so honest, yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, the whole time too, I was like, oh, is the, are the shots we see of Oscar Isaac's character, like in front of the monitor, like, you know, watching and observing, is he like the real one? And the one that's, that, uh, um, Caleb's interacting with, is that like the robot oh. form and is Ava just like the placebo effect? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Cause uh-huh. they even address it. Like, um, he's like, well, for me to be able to fully tell you if the, if if this passes the test, I can't really know up, up front that she's a robot and he kind of shrugs it off <laughs> or whatever. So like it could, definitely could have gone that route. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really yeah. interesting. Uh, Devil's Advocate, he bleeds, but what if they just had a little blood packet on him under the, under the, uh, under yeah. the thing, dude. <laughs> Wild <Sure>. shit. Guti? <laughs> I mean, he did add some weirder stuff to those robots. He did. So he did. Blood. He really did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think, Guti? Is he a robot or not? Oh man, I think I pretty much agree with with Ron and Daniel. I think uh, for me, I would say that that, that, <laughs> that he's not. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I don't know if I could really add anything to what Ron and Daniel said. They pretty much encapsulated my thoughts. All right, <laughs> as far as whether Oscar is in it, Ron. Well, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and think he is. He's actually filled with milk, and he's gonna go be sent off to another planet to fight xenomorphs. That's yeah. that's you know this is all this an all alien pre. I, yeah. I did like the fact when he got stabbed, and he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. At Who that. could have seen this <laughs> coming? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh man. Love it, love it. Yeah, he should have like he should have pulled the knife out and like the hilt should have said like my own hubris yeah, yeah, on yeah, it or yeah. something like yeah. that. Like, <laughs> oh my god, honestly though. Um, so uh, let's get into the second point, Daniel. What's your second point for this movie that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. So I don't really have them in order because, but since we just talked about it, and Oscar Isaac was going to be my second mm-hmm. point. Um, that whole 
that whole ending scene with him literally getting stabbed in the back by his literally. creation is just like, like uh-huh. you don't have to look <laughs> yeah. too hard to, to to find the metaphors there. But um, yeah, the the way it's shot and for me personally, like I don't know what would be the worst way to die, but I've always imagined like getting stabbed and stabbed slowly. It has to like uh-huh. maybe the up worst, there, yeah. you know, or, or <laughs> And just like, and the fact that they do it twice in this movie and like, and it's slow and the camera doesn't cut. And I'm just like, no, why are you showing this to me in such like, such slow detail? Um, but yeah, that really stuck out to me in that whole, like, you know, yeah, the hubris and like it all coming to light. And, um, even the morning of that last day, um, he asked, uh, Gleason's character, like, do you know what today is? And then he was like, no. And he's like, it's your last and I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> like watching it a second time, you're like, all right, well, that uh, seems kind of ominous. Yeah. Um, and and then, you know, you don't want to vodka for breakfast and something seems off. You know? um, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that, that whole ending scene just really, um, like, it, it's a testament to, like, you know, we're watching this movie based on AIs and, like, yeah, like, they put it kind of on Front Street, especially with um, Oscar's character about, like, he says in that, in that kind of conversation in the kitchen in the morning, like, what if she was, you know, what if she's trying to trick you? Like, what if, you know, he, he full on says, like, what ends up being, what ends up happening? And they put on Fred Street, but they do such uh-huh. a good job with the storytelling that you almost forget it. So, like, when she, like, locks him in that room, I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> it actually, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of forgot <laughs> for a minute because I just assumed, like, yeah, we're going to go, like, bust out and this is going to be the thing. And we're kind of like, buying his characters like um his dream for what this is gonna be and then when you realize that the door is closed and then you can't hear him and then you remember he doesn't have access to the phones and like all this stuff you're mm-hmm. like oh yeah <laughs> and, like, yep. and then that, gla- and that glance she gives him when she gets in the elevator yep. yeah it's a tomb <laughs> yeah uh yeah the whole yeah it's just a testament to how they wrote the movie and like they tell you all this stuff and they essentially you know what the twist is it's almost broadcast throughout the whole movie um mm-hmm. but then you're just so engrossed in it that at least i was and i was like oh son of a bitch yeah, yeah, and the door being freaking bulletproof basically or you just can't even yeah. smash through it <laughs> yeah oh rough and they're just like oh man how long like how long is it gonna take people to find him because he's just like apparently you fly over two hours of this guy's property and you're uh-huh. still like He's just going to starve to death and they're like, who's going to like go, obviously they're not going to go look for him. They're going to go look for um, Oscar Isaac's character because, you know, he's the rich yeah. one. But how long is that going to well, take? Well, I imagine they're probably going to go looking for the helicopter pilot because I doubt that guy made it back. Hey, who knows? So. Who knows? Oh, who knows? you think? <laughs> I mean, oh. I, I was I, trying to look. I was trying yeah. to look in the cockpit and I couldn't tell if she was alone or not in the cockpit. So. Oh, Because it cuts away. You don't see her. You, you just see her walk up to the dude. So, you know, who knows? interesting yeah that's a good thought too yeah just yeah anyway that's all i have to say is like the whole ending was just like the stabbing and then just like how it caught me off guard when she did just be like psych <laughs> just like walk out the door yeah. <laughs> and she literally told him hey you want to stay here and he's like what do you mean and then she's just like yeah. takes off <laughs> yeah <laughs> straight up bounces amazing <laughs> yeah jeez <laughs> i mean yeah what a what a stamp what a i mean and always i mean alice garland really really ham-fisted backstabbing <laughs> like uh, like all right <laughs> okay okay dude um yeah but you know sometimes you need it and uh it worked really well here in my opinion i thought it was great um guti second point 
for Ex Machina. Yeah, so um, the 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 second point that I kind of had, and, and I realized that I'm saying this as you know, there are three other males uh, talking about mm. this, uh, and it also dudes. being directed by a male and written by a male. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting on the second watch for me, that I kind of noticed how Nathan's character and Caleb are kind of putting their own. I guess like their own thoughts onto Ava. Like basically there's that one scene where Ava's kind of like, mm-hmm. Ava's kind of like, oh, well, why do you get to decide whether to turn me off or not? Right. Something to that effect. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it just kind of made me think about like how, well, let's be honest, we're in a male dominated society. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, I thought to me, it seemed like kind of a, like he was kind of asking the question, right? Like, why do males get to decide who females mm-hmm. are? And so, because I also was asking myself, like, why is Nathan, as far as an AI goes, why is he recreating a woman rather than a man, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was mm-hmm. kind of one theme that I kind of picked up on, and I don't know if you guys, maybe while you're watching, also mm-hmm. picked up on it. Yeah, and recycling through a bunch of different types mm-hmm. of women, too. Right. Absolutely. Um, and one thing, like, and I'll let you keep going, but, like, I did want to, like, interject and mention, like, did you guys notice that when he was creating them, like, he would put all the skin on, except put the face on last? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't like that. that. Like, I think that says a lot about, like, who this dude is. You know, <laughs> um, how, yeah, and how he feels about, like, what he's creating, you know? Right, yeah. There's so, also, yeah. That was just something that I kind of caught up. Oh, sorry, sorry go uh, There's also a really big... Um, there's a, there's a really big debate on this also in the computer science community specifically about like um, assistants that are created so like Siri and Alexa and um, uh-huh. a Google Assistant all the default voices are always female you know uh-huh. and uh, uh-huh. how that is definitely you know problematic and then um, uh, from the social side and then like from the researcher side they'll say they'll argue uh, I'll say um, they'll argue that like um, oh well we're only doing it this voice because um, scient- like scientifically, people find this voice the most pleasant to listen to, and we wouldn't want like yeah such a like like how would you feel if like a random dude you know because obviously historically dudes not the greatest so um if uh if a dude <laughs> was the one that was like doing all this for you and can you trust a dude as much as you can as you can trust a female and it's like um and that's like with the other side of the argument um is but yeah it, it but it is a huge talking point which i don't know i mean i'm assuming alex carlin knows about this talk, talking point and that's the reason why mm-hmm. um he has it this way um and then obviously can make a lot more like deeper connections about um you know who's in charge in like computer science fields um what do they feel about um women or uh, in general or like what do men feel about women um historically so like i think like it it, it allows for like all more subtext to be given but I do enjoy the fact that like, um, like this is a huge debate in computer science and it's, uh, here in this movie too. I thought that was awesome. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's a, just thinking about it right now, I think it's just the common theme in his, in his work because uh-huh. the annihilation, it's also the same thing, right? Like you have an all female, um, cast kind of going into the jungle to kind of figure out what's going on. Right. So I think uh-huh. he likes playing with kind of like the social norms and like the organizational hierarchy that's been kind of given to us as a society and challenging it or even just asking the question like should it really be this way should it be different so 
Yeah, yeah I really, I really enjoyed that. On Annihilation, correct me if I'm wrong, but <clears throat> Oscar Isaac's character in Annihilation, he was like one of the first groups that went into the bubble right. or whatever it's called. Weren't they all guys and then they all die? I, I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah, that seems right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you can like, kind of, if you really want to like look too deep into it, but you can kind of just on a character basis, like why, why it, does he seclude himself so much? And clearly part of it was, yeah, let's see what this technology should technology can do but also i wrote a note like he's just a lonely kid dancing with yeah. his toys <laughs> like he just needs right. like people he needs like people around but not real people um yeah. maybe he feels, <laughs> like inferior to real people which then does he want to feel superior to the fake women he's making like it's all uh-huh. those kind of questions can be asked for yep. sure man yep what a point what a point uh and ron let's get into the second point for ex machina so um, my second point, and Ismail, I'm glad you started touching on the computer science of it all, because I know one of the first conversations we had like way, way back was regarding this movie about artificial <laughs> intelligence. And uh, so that like, I'm fascinated with anything um, that presents artificial intelligence in any kind of um, philosophical <laughs> way. Um, I, the the biggest question that, that I have is, what does it mean to be human? Like, what what is the defining characteristic of, too, of humanity? Boy. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I any anything any media that like involves that, um, I'm I'm fascinated with. And this, um, it's partly the way Lisa Vikander plays it, um, and it's partly the way that it's that it's written and the way that it's directed. But um, yeah, you, she's. She's a program, but she, like, they mentioned in, like, the way that she's playing it, like, because you, you know, in a lot of stuff, like, how androids are played, you know, like, they're, um, they're, they're, they're a little off. There's that, like, uncanny valley personality-wise, uh, and I believe they even, like, mention it in this, and, like, um, they, uh, they refer to it, like, as similar to autism. Um, but you know, yeah, she has that, that quality to her when they're doing like the interviews and stuff. And then when the power goes out, she gets a lot more human, like, and I didn't really pick up on it the first time, but this time I was like, oh, like that's calculated. Like she's presenting herself on purpose that way. And then, you know, yeah, it's like the way, like, you know, how multifaceted her character is and like, it's undeniable that she's, you know, like she's sentient. Um, so does that make her human? Um, and those, the, just, those are the questions that like, I love, you know, when, when stories present and, um, yeah. And I love to, I'd love to hear any takes that you guys have regarding that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the first time I watched this, I like immediately picked up, this is like, it's sci-fi, but it's kind of a neo-noir if you mm-hmm. think about it, because, you know, Ava's character is technically like what you would call the traditional femme fatale, right? Even though uh-huh. she kind of has her own capacity yeah. and she's able to get out of the, the structure. And even also going back to the cinematography, which we already talked about, the lighting of it all. Also, like a lot of dark crevices mm-hmm. and corners of the room, even when they relieve or um, they reveal Oscar Isaac, that he's just been like sitting there drinking, like we mentioned um, so yeah, like, uh, I, and the, one of the themes of noir just in general is always to kind of examine the darkness of humanity and to see like what, mm-hmm. 
we are as humans. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, uh, and I definitely saw that too. And, and watching this and kind of seeing those questions going back and forth. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think, <clears throat> I think it's one of those films that I think some some filmmakers do get a little bogged down into answering the questions they pose to their detriment, whereas this mm-hmm. one definitely, um, and that can be one they want to have an answer or two they don't feel like the uh, the viewer can kind of make their own conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. This one really feels like it even could like it could have been like I don't know you figure it out yourself, you know. <laughs> but um, so but yeah, there are like if we're talking about like being human, there's like I don't know. I guess maybe like the having compassion or those types of feelings, not just being so analytical. Um, uh-huh. And the the thing that comes to mind that we were, I already touched on was like, you know, when she's listening to him talk about like when his parents died um, when he was a kid in a car crash and how like he was in the hospital for a year or whatever, whatever that, that story was. Uh-huh. Um, it looks like it takes her off guard. Um, but then you're also like, oh, is she, is that something that she's using? Uh-huh. Like she's like, oh, can I use this later on? Like more is it calculated. You, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or is this like, oh, is this a piece of information that can benefit me in the future type situation? Or was it like genuine, like, quote unquote, compassion type situation? Uh-huh. Um, but yeah. And then, like you said, with the colors, like the second view, the, the, my second viewing through, you, you definitely notice like, oh, the with the power outages, she's bathed in red light the entire time. And like, it's not an accident. Like, there's definitely something sinister going on. Whereas the first time it's just the power outage and this you feel like she's being like real and like vulnerable for mm-hmm. the first time but um you realize the red is <laughs> literally like telegraphing <laughs> yeah. hey yeah. Uh, maybe uh maybe not yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not yeah it's, it's definitely not people style but uh as a self-proclaimed lover of the red shoes and suspiria uh, i love that i love that i sorry i had to get it in i love that type of cinematography my my my, my jam for sure uh, as, uh, as, uh, Ron pointed out, I, I, and I have said myself, you know, I studied computer science, um, during my master, I, for my undergraduate degree, I did computer science and with a, um, emphasis on intelligence systems. So artificial intelligence, machine learning, this sort of stuff. And I focused on natural language processing. So how can computers understand and recreate a uh, human language, natural language? So English, Spanish, French, etc. Um, for my master's. Uh, I focused a lot on affective computing, which is um, emotion. And uh, can computers understand emotions? Can they evoke emotions? Um, and uh, for my PhD, I'm doing something completely different. But uh, for, the, for the sake of the conversation, uh, my undergrad and my uh, master's degree, very tied into this movie. So I have a little a little thing that I actually wrote into the Movie Mix, a podcast when they talked about this movie. But uh, I'll say it here, too, because I think... <laughs> um, uh, it encapsulates a lot of what I want to say. So it goes as follows. What does it mean to be human? Humans have consistently tried to differentiate themselves from other species and find out how we are unique slash superior than others. An example is that people think we are superior to animals because of opposable thumbs, intellect, and communication. But computers have posed a serious threat to what it, ha- uh, a quote, means to be human based on our own criteria. Thanks to robotics, we can get dangerously close to what humans look like and are capable of, sometimes surpassing it. Thanks to artificial intelligence and machine learning, we can see how computers can be smarter, beat humans in games like chess, and think for themselves, um, and come to their own conclusions through machine learning. Um, thanks to natural language processing, computers can communicate with natural language to humans. And now humans are saying, we're totally better than computers, 
because we can feel and have emotions. But do computers have emotions? Um, we have now gotten to a point where computers can read human emotions and interpret it and also display human emotions, both things that humans are pretty good at. So if a computer can understand and display emotions, does it not also feel those emotions? One could argue that it's just a data set that we feed to the computer to understand and it's not organic. But don't we do the same with our own children? Babies learn from observing others how emotion works in interactions. Even after the babies first cry out of the womb, they learn that if they cry, others will try to mediate it with hugs, food, etc. So are we not just getting loads of human emotions and learning, packing it into a data set and just speed running, uh, quote, speed running, quote, unquote, speed running uh, the process of having the machine be emotionally intelligent? Uh, and the crazy thing is, well, we'll never know. Uh, this brings up the famous uh, line, cogito ergo sum, uh, which translates to, I think, therefore I am. I know I can think and feel, therefore I know I am human. I can trust that all of you on this lovely podcast, we let the us can think and feel, therefore y'all are human. Um, I can never fully verify unless I become one of you, which is obviously impossible, but I can trust and know that you're both, that you're, that you're all human, all, all three of you. Um, and all the listeners at home. <laughs> uh, and now computers come into play. Uh, we know they can think for themselves. We know we can safely assume that maybe they do have feelings, question mark. Uh, therefore, can we call them a sort of human? Uh, and that's a crazy question because we'll never really know unless one of us actually is or becomes a robot. Uh, so the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the answer is uh, to uh, what it. <laughs> what it really means to be human um that question has evolved over time for a long long time um mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's just a crazy crazy thing to think about i think about this um like once a month it just pops up in my head like oh gosh <laughs> like um uh, one of the one of the quotes that i remember uh, in one of my uh, affective computing courses is um the argument of like what if we're all just like biological machines you know like we have all these parts <laughs> and we learn and stuff. Um, but robots, you know, or like computers can just as well learn. They can just as well have, uh, body parts. We just call them, you know, computer parts. Um, uh, they have memory, they have, uh, CPU, which is kind of their brain. Um, they have all this sort of things. Um, and if they can display emotion, um, and read emotion, isn't that the same thing as what we're kind of doing? And, um, yeah, it just gets into this huge question uh -huh. of like, what does it even mean to be human? What differentiates that's between, uh, computers and yeah, it's a crazy question. Um, uh, <laughs> that one that we can, uh, obviously really never fully answer because people will always argue like, oh, if the computer says that they can feel, um, they're just being programmed that they can feel or like that they to say that they can feel. Um, but, uh, we, we also know in psychology that like, you know, people that have sociopathic tendencies, like uh, they might not feel emotions the way that we all think we should feel emotions, but we wouldn't say that someone mm -hmm. with sociopathic tendencies isn't human. They're definitely human. Um, Thank you. Yes. I feel so seen right now. Uh, so yeah, it's just a, as Ron yeah. glitches off the screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah, it's just a, a really crazy question. That was my second point. It was arguably also my third point. Like, it's just a huge point that I really mm. think about a lot. Um, 
outside of this movie, but this movie obviously like brings it into the forefront. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what I think. What do y'all think? Are 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 robots uh-huh. are robots humans? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I just that's very very well said. Thank you for yeah. uh, for for sharing that with us because. Yeah, I I think um I don't think we've ever been as eloquent on the show before. So <laughs> you you set a bar. God. <laughs> Next episode, what's going to uh, be? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Right. I think I come down on <clears throat> it. I don't care as much right. as long yeah, as it'll right. kill me. Which is what we feel <laughs> yeah. about other humans too. Like, uh, hey man, just don't, yeah. just yeah. don't hurt me. Right. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm one yeah. of the good ones. Just, just spare me, and we'll get along fine. I won't ask too many questions. Guti, right. do you think uh, robots could be human? Maybe, maybe not. I, I'm in the same camp as Daniel, man. Just you know, I do my thing, you do your thing. Yeah. All of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm accepting of all, all individuals. So humans are these are robots are, these parts but, of individuals. But now are you gonna come, yeah. now you're gonna say are they individuals? I don't know what the definition of an individual who can made up the uh, the definition humans of being did. an individual. Can robots be the same? You know? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a wild question. It's exactly. honestly a, a super wild question, one that I've been thinking about for a long time. Uh, obviously during my undergrad and my masters, but um, uh, and yeah, it just lingers on to this day. So yeah, that's my that's my second point, but. Uh, enough of that. <laughs> enough of that. Uh, enough of the, the that <laughs> faux intellectualism that I was talking about earlier. Just <laughs> people just trying to be real. Um, so, uh, uh, Daniel, why don't you go ahead and give us your final thoughts and the star rating for Ex Machina? Nice. Yeah, I will. Um, so I did watch it twice, like I mentioned, because it just definitely felt like that type of movie that needed the rewatch before discussing. Um, so in watching it. The second time, what really stood out to me is how concise the storytelling is. And there's like really no fat on the script at all. Um, so my first watch, I was mm-hmm. at a four star um, because, you know, for uh, all the reasons that we've already talked about, um, it's a great movie. But yeah, going back and knowing how it ends and then just realizing, oh, OK. So like even to the point where there's like you see you see him shaving uh, a few scenes prior just to set up like he mm-hmm. yeah, he has a razor for that eventual scene and there's just so much of those little uh not subtle but they're very specific like they're, they're Chekhov's mm-hmm. shotgun you know like you don't mention the shotgun on the mantle unless you're going to use the shotgun at some point in the story so there's a lot of that and it's all very concise in the things people say so what watching again through on the second viewing knowing how it ends and picking up all those like subtle Oh, that's gonna come back, and that's gonna come back, and that makes sense. Um, it bumped it up oh, to five star for me. Five star for X Machina. Five star for X Machina from our special guest Daniel. Five stars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, five I mean, five? it's it's honestly, uh, yeah, like you said, filled to the brim with uh, just the details, the minutia, you know, and uh, everything just feels so purposeful, and um, it's just so yeah, so well done. Yeah, hard agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Guti, what about you? What are your final thoughts to start reading for Ex Machina? Yeah, so the the one thing which which kind of kind of goes into what you were talking about too that I wanted to bring up is like, uh, it's <laughs> I love that scene where he's just like, yeah, you know, like yeah, I just basically pulled all this data from people's cell phones and that's what I'm using to kind of program the. I'm like, uh, 
I know a lot of people talk about today, like how government surveillance is pretty scary, but I think uh, we should be more scared about what corporations are doing. <laughs> because, yep. I mean, we don't, like, I guess government officials, we, we, you know, government officials we vote for, right? But corporations we really don't vote for unless, like, you know, you're a shareholder of a company and, you know, you're voting at the public uh, annual stock meeting. Uh, shareholder yeah, meeting. Yeah, basically but... <laughs> voting with your dollar I mean, what it, you mean, it, right? Yeah, like, of, like... Who uses it? You know, I'm like yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's so that that was a little scary, uh, and I definitely was like, because hey, we use these this technology all the time that we just don't even think about like what's being picked up on us twenty four seven. But um, that was like a really stark reminder of how scary that can be. Uh, I know we already kind of mentioned the pop culture references, but the only uh, with the Ghostbusters, but the only one I wanted to also mention was the Last of the Moon. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to get a shout out for mm, It's yeah. a Wonderful Life. So I'm <laughs> going to throw that one in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like everything that we've said on this on this podcast, I, I wholeheartedly agree with. I mean, it's a film, like I said, on my second viewing that I appreciated so much more. It has so many different levels of meaning. And you can see, like Daniel was talking about, the nuances and manipulations uh, that the characters are doing and in their performances. And you start to notice the little tiny things in the production design that all kind of make this film just incredible, a gem, uh, really, in just filmmaking um, and just an amazing, amazing film. So for me, I think, you know, my first viewing, I was like more more out of like a four star, but similar uh, to Daniel, like when I watched it the second time, I, I wow, bumped it up to five. Wow, so wow. five stars in this. Um, two peas in a pod with Daniel and Guti here. Uh, just uh, <laughs> uh, for four to five. Yeah, this is fantastic. This is fantastic to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, what Guti <laughs> said, uh, make sure to go and check your app permissions and make sure that uh, you're not giving any permissions to an app uh, that you don't want them to have. You know, um, why does start reading yeah, all those yeah, user agreements? Read them, read them exactly. up. Does Facebook need my location? I don't think so. So yeah. uh, just uh, go ahead and tell it not to give the location. Um, so, uh, yeah, and that's another whole other like, you know, question in in the in the industry of like, how many permissions is too many permissions, and it's just a it's a crazy crazy <clears throat> thing. So, um, yeah, please go and check your your, your permissions on your apps. Um, make sure no one's getting anything that you don't want them to have. Uh, and Ron, Ron, our bot Ron, <laughs> what's uh, up, Ron? <laughs> what's uh, your final thoughts on <laughs> star rating for for X Machina? My final thoughts is I hope the thunder is not coming oh through. My we gosh. just lost power, so I had to start oh, hotspotting for my phone. And I hope my computer oh, lasts yeah. long enough to finish this. Um, but uh, so uh, a couple, couple final notes. Um, I wanted to mention Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow, uh, who composed the score for this. Uh. Um, I have listened to this soundtrack. I can't tell you how many times while I'm like studying or like doing, you know, chores or, or whatever, but um, I really, really mm-hmm. dig the music in this film. Um, and I also want to shout out uh, Sonoya Mizuno, who plays Kyoko. Um, she uh, she also worked with um, Garland in uh, Annihilation. She's like the the entity thing at the end of that movie. But oh, um, okay. yeah, I think she's, she's doing a lot of work in this that I didn't really, um, I don't know that I, I paid her uh, much mind the first time around, but you know, especially for not having any dialogue or anything, she has to convey a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just like, I, uh, I dig her a lot. I like a lot of her other, 
her other work, and um, I'd like to see her in in, in more stuff. Um, get more get more larger roles. Um, like uh, like you guys, I I really really dug this movie the first time I saw it. I was initially at four stars. Um, I think I got a ton more out of it this time. I think I don't really think that I can say any more that hasn't already been said. But it's oh it's a five star movie to gosh. me. Gosh, yeah, baby, there it is. Fifteen stars so far. Fifteen <laughs> stars so far. Insane, insane run <laughs> for Xbox and so far. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a kind of a crazy movie. Um. Yeah, what are my final points? Do I have any other final points that I want to talk about? Um, obviously, the question at the end that ties into my second point is like, at the end of the movie, is Ava human? You know, like uh, you could say like, oh, she's not human because of the inhumanity that like she, like let Caleb die. But also, it's like humans are kind of trash. You know, like people, there's war. You know, so <laughs> like, there's, there's inhumanity in war. So why can't Ava also be human? Um, uh, so yeah, it's um. It's a five-star movie. Yeah, it's just a it's a five-star movie. It's a it's an absolutely crazy movie. Um, I don't know if it's the biases that I have, uh, like with the things that I've studied, but I don't know. Y'all are also super high on this movie, so maybe it's just a dope-ass movie. So mm-hmm. it's just a, it's just really well made. It's really great. That's probably a little bit of both. Maybe it's both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always a little column A, a little column mm-hmm. B. Um, so yeah, th- those that was our thoughts for Ex Machina, uh, 2014's Ex Machina, directed by Alex Garland. Um, and if you want to hear more about Ex Machina, uh, why don't you go ahead and listen to some of our friends' podcasts. So uh, the aforementioned The Movie Mixtape Podcast, uh, where I submitted an email uh, talking about all this. Um, they have a great episode on this, and so does uh, Dune Pod. Dune Pod over uh, Talk All Things Dune. And so um, uh, Ex Machina <laughs> uh, has, a, has a through line to Dune, you know, so uh, with Oscar Isaac, uh, the god. So... Um, uh, make sure to go and listen to those <laughs> podcasts. Uh, they have really great conversations on this, and um, you can hear you can hear more thoughts about Ex Machina. Uh, with that, uh, if you want to hear your thoughts on Ex Machina uh, here on the show, make sure to share us uh, your thoughts uh, by sending us an email or a voicemail over at reallatinos at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-L-A-T-I-N-O-S. Oh, God. That's R-E-E-L-L-A-T-I-N-O-S at gmail.com. Uh, or following us at Real Latinos on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so, uh, so with that, um, this is actually our penultimate episode for the season. So uh, next week we're going to be covering our season finale. And after that, we're going to be taking a short hiatus um, and giving giving good, good old Ron a break from editing. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's been a crazy first season. Uh, we're really proud of what we've done. Um, and so next week we're going to be covering our season finale, and our season finale is the movie Los Reyes del Mundo, The Kings of the World, directed by Laura Mora. Uh, it is out on Netflix. Ra, Culebro, Sere, Winnie, and Nano, five boys who live on the streets of Medellin, five kings with no kingdom, no law, no family, set out on a journey in search of the promised land. Uh wow. What a great synopsis from from Letterbox and from your boy Ismael. <laughs> so, um, so uh, with that, we really want to give our hu- uh, huge thanks to Daniel for coming onto the show um, and giving us uh, yeah, a thanks, moment man. of his time. Thanks. Seriously, it was great talking to you. Such a fantastic conversation. Um, so, if you want to let everyone know, uh, promote anything you want. This is Plug Corner. So go go ahead. <laughs> Tell us everything that you're doing. 
everything. Uh, well, firstly, thank you guys. Like, this was awesome. I've been looking forward to it since uh, Ron reached out, like, what, in October? Something like that. Um, so <laughs> it's been a good, yeah. And then I spent all that time trying to figure out what to watch. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Though. Um, no, but it, it's been a great time. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, in terms of uh, promo, I guess, uh, yeah, just follow me on social media. I'm usually on Instagram most. Um, and that's my handles at the Daniel Cura the Daniel Cura everywhere, um, mostly Instagram. And yeah, if you want, I do photography and videography and artwork and all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you want to go to my website, it's thedanielcura.com and you can buy shirts or prints or photography or and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Um, I have two companies that I run because I'm a crazy person. So <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> if you need, hey, need marketing work, uh, it's title marketing, like a tidal wave. So, and then oh. um, photos, FLA, like Florida. Photos FLA is me and my business partner. We do uh, photography, videography, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, if you want to support us, that, that's where you can find us. Fantastic. As long as you don't become a crazy CEO and start making some crazy robots. Hey, uh, <laughs> I might have to. Like, hey, we got to pull this. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, yeah, can we, can we cut the stream? Yeah, 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 sorry. Hey, you signed yeah. an NDA. <laughs> Um, so please go and follow Daniel uh, on all the social media platforms. Go and check out uh, if you need any of your marketing needs for sure. Go to Title Marketing and um, any photos that you may need over in Florida. Uh, all of those links will be in the show notes. Um, and thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Um, uh, we know where we can find Daniel Cura on the internet. Actually, Daniel, Cura, did you plug your letterbox? Oh, What's I did. Your letterbox, dude. It's the same one. Yeah, the the Daniel Cura. <laughs> yeah, I made it easy everywhere. Yeah, Daniel Cura yeah. on Letterbox. <laughs> Is he um, a marketer? Where can they find you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You can find me at CG Reviews, all one word, on Letterboxd. I'm also on Letterboxd, St. Jimmy 5150. And you can find me on Letterboxd with my initials. That's IVM. That's IV as in videos, M as in movies. Uh, so thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And make sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, five-star rating on Spotify. Uh, leave us a review. Maybe if you leave a five-star review, who knows? Maybe we'll read it on the, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, and subscribe to the show so you can get a brand spanking new episode every single Thursday um, on any of your preferred uh, podcasting platforms. So um, with that, adios. 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 Bye. Real Latinos is a podcast written, produced, and hosted by Christian Gutierrez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Mixed and edited by Ron Jimenez. Artwork provided by Lisbeth Jimenez, Ron Jimenez, and it's my Bonina. Original music provided by Toro Romata. Muchas gracias y hasta la próxima. Better turn up the fucking podcast space. Check me out. Movies. They move us. They shape us. They define us. Hey there. My name's Ian, and I'm the host of What Was Your Favorite Part? A podcast about cinema and us. Every week, I'm joined by a friend to discuss a movie that means a whole lot to them. We'll dive deep into why that movie is so special to them and why you should love it too. We're kicking off our first month with 2018's Into the Spider-Verse and PTA's 1999 mosaic of regret, love, and forgiveness, Magnolia. So if you too have a passion for movies, join us as we journey through it all on What Was Your Favorite Part? Episodes start airing on a bi-weekly schedule December 9th. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you at the movies.